0: but man i'm excited uh to for brock to to minister how how long, how long ago has it been since we i don't even know um yeah not even is has it not even been a year? it seems like it's been longer than a year twenty one yeah but this guy is like a sponge with god right like this guy like god's out there ready to be absorbed and this guy what I find about this guy is he want, he's absorbing it all Right. And he's just like, let the Lord into his heart and, has, you know, show me, show me yourself, show me the faith, show me all of it. And so when I listen to Brock talk, the thing that I like the most is that I'm listening to somebody that's building everything they're saying from the faith, right, from Christ crucified. And man, there's no other word actually that can produce life in you. And that's the only word that has understanding in it. So that's um, what excites me about talking with this guy. And also when I, when I talk to this guy, I see that like it's taken me my whole life to understand the, the Word made flesh. It's taken me my whole life to understand the faith that came in Jesus. And I went through a lot of pain and a lot of suffering trying to, to let the Lord sort all that out, right? And here I am, 46 years old. Am I, I think I'm 46. I'm 46 years old now, but I look at this guy and it's like, he can just hear what took me 20 years of pain to sort out and he can just run with it, you know, and, uh, it's just beautiful seeing that in him and just, I'm excited, man, for you to share today, but I'm excited to watch God continuously reveal himself, uh, to you and in you and through you. Um, and we're just going to be blessed today. So thanks for coming, man. Glory to God. Brock Ames, guys.
1: having me here I mean it's kind of like surreal you know it's like you've been listening to these messages for so long you know you've seen the the infamous blue lights and then you're here and you're with the lovely people and it's awesome and uh you know I've often thought like we went to Bible school in Tulsa and right Ra- at Rama, me and Kylie I know a few of you guys went and I've always thought like, why were, why were we able to get out of it and not be bitter, right? Because people get out of it, but then they're like, oh, all that God stuff, you know, I'm done with that. Because they just experienced the lie, you know, and uh, they haven't experienced true life. And I really don't know what it is. I think it's just a desire um, to know God, exactly like Greg said. And um, I'm sure some of you know this My one of my favorite verses if not my favorite verse is psalms 22:26 the meek shall eat and be satisfied um as as like opposed to the glutton right the, what what is gluttony i'm going to eat and i'm never satisfied and you know you you keep looking like a fat cat but you're truly never satisfied as opposed to what the meek shall eat and be satisfied being the meek being the humble right And not the person that's like i'm gonna humble myself but it's the person who god comes and births this type of humbleness to be able to see i am in a mortal body i am in a uh jesus uses this thing right i'm uh, i'm the vine you're the branch like we're just branches we're just branches and we think that these branches are producing fruit apart from the vine. We think because of our, our much money, our, you know, our, if, for me it was always like, if I could make the best music, then I, then I would feel that life was with me. And that was a lie actually, you know, cause then what happens when you're not making good music? But um, I think it's just a humbleness and a desire. And I always say it, the people at this church and the people that listen to this message, Y'all are the humblest bunch. You, I mean, you, just, you, have to, you have to be willing to die to what you think life is like in order to, uh, to get down with this God, right? So the message is called conformed into his death. And I'm just going to read this scripture real quick. Um, I, I apologize in advance. I got some scripture for you guys. I know most people don't care, but, uh, I'm going to roll with, uh, <laughs> the standing rule. If I keep preaching and your butt hurts, you can get up. I won't be offended at all. i will more just feel bad for you that you are missing out on the meat, unless you're just satisfied. You know, that's totally fine. Like there times I was talking to somebody, I think it was Jared. We stayed with him and Melinda this week. And, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy to me under the Andrew Walmack or under the Rhema or the Kenneth Hagan or whatever doctrine it is. Like I could listen to an Andrew Walmack sermon or whoever it was. And if I knew the three verses that he went off of, I could listen to it one time and go and preach it. it wasn't hard. I could do it. I understood, you know, to that degree. When I started listening to Greg, that doesn't work. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and if you're a minister, that's like kind of infuriating, you know, in the middle of me starting to listen to greg we got a little home church going so then imagine you're trying your whole theology is being ripped the heck up and you're over here trying to sit here and tell these people about god that'll stress you out real quick um especially if you're like me and you want the doctrines to be set you want there to be the parameters you want there to be a firm foundation um, within the scriptures, and even, you know, the scriptures are only as good as your image of God, yep. right? Um, I, you know, I've heard so many people, We, if, if America, if we could just read our Bibles every day. It's like, dude, the Pharisees read the Bible more than anyone. And that, I mean, their reading of the Bible led them to crucifying the Son of God. You know what I'm saying? Even though it wasn't even them. It was the death in them animating them. Does that mean there's something wrong with them? Does that mean there's something wrong with the scriptures? Nope. It's a perversion of those things, right? Philippians 3, Paul says here, uh, What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yes, doubtless, I count all things that the world could give me. I count them as loss for what? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the deeds of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness, which is um, of God, or the righteousness that comes by God's hand, and it's by the faith. And then verse 10 is kind of our key verse here. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And we all want to stop right there. The power of his resurrection, right? We all want the power of the resurrection. Uh, but the next verse, the fellowship of his sufferings. That sounds a little, <laughs> you know, the, the power of the resurrection's like, oh, yeah, give me that. Give me that slice of, <laughs> of pie over there. And then he comes in, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Like, from a, from a, like, I'm not going to, let's, let's step away from the Christian terms for a second. And like, as a logical, just human being, if I just came to you and I was like, you know, I want to be conformed to the image of the death that Christ died. It's like, what does that really mean? I mean, like, it sounds super abstract. I remember not knowing what it was meant and asking people in my church in Tulsa, what do you think this verse means and stuff? And, uh, you know, and he says uh, right after that verse, and I'm doing all this, if by me any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So what's Paul saying? Uh, I want to suffer with Christ so that I might get resurrected from the dead. Is that what he's saying? No, he's saying that uh and i'm going to show this in a lot of scriptures later on in this but paul experienced the the glorified jesus right he's living his life he's got his mind frame he's literally going to kill christians on his way and he encounters jesus right and he sees this resurrected glorified man it would be like if you you know i sometimes i get lower back pain a lot and if you ran into somebody who was like, you know, 70 and they had no back pain and they were just running, you would be like, how did you get like that, right? Uh, when you meet people that uh, have a lot of money, your first question's like, how did you do that? What was the route that you took to get to this end goal, right? And when Paul saw Jesus, not just as Jesus of Nazareth, right? but the God-man. He saw God and man joined together as one, and that flipped the script on everything he ever thought about God, himself, and life. And so, just like I was saying, Paul, just as we, we kind of do here, we are, uh, he, he started to reverse engineer what he saw. How did this man experience God? And he says here, I want to experience the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings right so i'm going to bring all this to the to the cross and then we're going to bring in the resurrection and then hopefully zoom it out a little bit but there's a lot of different dynamics at the cross i mean it was super challenging to try to figure out what am i going to say i knew it was going to be about the cross because most of you that listen you know i just about the cross and i know in the future there will be other things that we're able that i'll be talking about more in depth but once I saw, once I saw, man, that the cross was the power to life, my whole, my whole world changed, you know. Um, it's kind of interesting. You guys kind of are just seeing, you know, this particular one moment of, you know, nearly two years of this message kind of culminating inside of my heart, right? Uh, but you didn't see, you, you don't see the everyday struggle, you know. I didn't go, I, I, I fortunately didn't have to suffer as long as Craig and, and some of you guys, but yeah, <laughs> amen. But um, the everyday struggle, you know, there's many times me and Kylie are on the verge of divorce because, um, you know, we got married when we were in a word of faith type of environment, uh, a, a church type of environment, you know look a certain way, talk a certain way, believe a certain way, act a certain way. And so it's kind of like, you know, if you look like I do, you know, I've had people say he doesn't need to be preaching with a hat on, you know, that's ungodly. And and so I went from looking like this right to I'm wearing suits everywhere and people have a hard time believing that. And I get it because I because of how I look now. But, you know, my friends were kind of like because I went from this, like, you know, doing drugs, making rap music, not that there's anything wrong with rap music. All right, let's get that straight. Um, and just, you know, just, just gaining the world unto myself. You know, I thought that if I could uh, make good music, if I could get with chicks, if I could do enough drugs, then I would kind of feel this. You know, Greg always talks about this kind of uh, melancholy sadness he had his whole life, and that totally resonated for me. I mean, from a young child, I hated, I didn't like being a kid. You know, everyone's like, oh, I wish I could be a kid again. I didn't like it, and as a kid, I knew as soon as I'm an adult, I can just live my life however I want, right? And so I didn't enjoy being a kid. I felt a lot of lack. I felt like everyone's just telling you to do this or do that and go over here, and, you know, you got to look this certain way, and then if you you come up in a church background, you know, those two things don't mix. I'm totally the kid that's like, you know, don't touch that thing over there, and then I'm going to go touch it you know if you've seen asher if you've seen the son you've seen the father right he, asher does not stop man he woke we we woke up at like uh six this morning to kind of get ready pack everything up uh drive from jared's house over here and uh asher i'm not joking like he woke up at like 6:50, and then he was like let's go he does not have some morning grogginess i don't know he's ready to go man i don't know where he gets it from anyways i'm getting off track but uh When we when me and Kylie got married, we were like kind of different versions of ourselves, right? Kind of this like polished, cleaned up version. And then after three years of being married and listening to this message, all those all that gets stripped away. And then you're kind of back into your normal self. But then you realize your carnal mind, you know, you're kind of like, oh, I'm so glad to be free from religion. You know, you think that was the big. The big deliverance—that's what we all thought. I'm free from not having the tithe, man. Well, if if not having the tithe equals your freedom, then the world's free, you know. Um, yeah. If it's something the world can rejoice over, you know, how how uh, it's perishable, right? It's a a joy. It's a, a, and I love my gr- my brothers and sisters in the gray circles, but it's a fleeing joy. And if we were being honest, it won't last. It crumbles. It's not a foundation built upon the faith of the Son of God. It, it's, um, you know, there's a lot you could say about that. But so then, as we've begun to get the carnal mind, it's, it's kind of like before. This is just our experience. Before the carnal mind um, begins to really be renewed, it's, it's like I'm not going down without a fight. You know, it is, it is. You, you, things start to come out of you, and then you are taken back by, wow, I've had that belief my whole life, you know, my image of this or my image of that. And uh, then it can get kind of scary, realistically, because a lot of people can't handle, a lot of people can't handle um, looking inside and seeing what you've really kind of thought your whole life. And then even if you do that, most people are just going to feel shame. They're just going to feel bad for what they see. And we're going to start judging ourselves instead of, uh, you know, I always use this and it has never failed to get someone to agree with it. Whether they're Christian or not, I always say, well, and I got this from uh, Greg Reather in Tulsa. He said, if you drop a quarter in the dirt, what is that quarter still worth? It's 25 cents, baby. Just because it got a little dirt on it, that doesn't mean that its value ever went away, right? All right. So the cross, the cross. There's a lot of different dynamics at the cross. I I see a lot of different things. There's like a work that God is doing, uh, which is the work of the faith, right? He's putting the faith on display. Um, God had a plan for us to be with him forever in glorified flesh, I mean, just simply put, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the way that I like to phrase it is kind of like, you guys ever play Mario Kart? So Mario Kart, you can play four players on the old one. And essentially, like the Godhead, uh, let's say like Mario Kart is like the life of God, right? You live in this, you move in this, you have fun with it. And the Godhead was having like such an enjoyable time They were like, man, this is awesome. You know what we really need? A fourth player. There's only three of us. We should have a fourth player. Why? What's the purpose of that? So that they could beat this other guy that's going to join? You know, make him look stupid? No. so So that they could enjoy the quality of life that they are enjoying, right? And simply put, that is like, that's the plan of God. God's whole thing is like, I'm like someone who like, I wanna chill with my homies. Yeah. you know. I don't care where it's at. I don't care if it's in the house. I don't care if it's in the garage. I don't care if it's in the car. I love just being with your friends and just talking, right? And that actually comes from God because we're in the image of God. And we, we seek that type of uh, companionship and we've, we've uh, sought it through everything else in the world, right, except, except we haven't sought it from God. So that was God's plan. He, that, I mean, I think I heard Birdie was the first dude I ever heard kind of putting these things like this, that God had a quality, a certain quality of life. Uh, no, no uh, unnecessary anger. No, um, you know, it's an interesting emotions, like emotions aren't bad. They come from God. God has emotions. But the emotions can be perverted, so you can have anger that leads to, you know, quote-unquote sin, right? But God had this type of life. He has peace and love and joy and a life that's free from death and free from corruption and free from bills and free from whatever else you feel like your bondage is, you know? Although we can still be free in this life regardless. But God had that certain quality of life, and he said, I want to make someone who's not even lesser than me. I want to make someone who's in my image, someone who, um, you know, I play music, obviously. So when I talk to someone that also plays music or loves music, we connect, right? You can connect with somebody. Um, I can connect with somebody about music if they love it. And if they don't, we can't connect there. And so what God's trying to connect over is his life. Uh, It's hard to imagine, but eternity is just going to look like a universe and a physical earth and our physical bodies physically purged from death. And even greater than that, as great as that is, we will just be with the Father, right? Doesn't it say that the throne will come down from heaven and be with its people? Is that not what God's whole thing was from the beginning? Is that not what the Old Testament says again and again and again: "I will be your God; you will be my people." I mean, that's you know we've heard that so much that it doesn't sound to us like, "Hey, I just want to chill with you guys. I just want to." Yeah, that's the whole thing, you know. I would I would say that to Asher, right? I want to be your father, and you're my son. So there's a lot of different dynamics at the cross. Um, there's a work God's doing to divorce us from death but he's also simultaneously teaching us something. He's also simultaneously being a mirror and reflecting both our experience, our suffering, but then he, he experiences salvation from that. And so, he, like I said, it's like if you met someone who, who, who made lots of money or had a successful business, if you're someone who wants to start a business, you're going to be asking those questions. How did we get to this point, right? And so what I want to say is, the Father is wanting to create the same experience that Jesus had on the cross and in the resurrection. He's wanting to create that within us, right? And it's funny, right as I say that, if you don't know this gospel, when you start talking about you need to go to the cross, I mean, the carnal mind... The natural human mind, right, is going to look at the cross, and it's going to say, why would I ever want to go to a cross? I mean, why does it say that for joy Jesus went to the cross? You ain't finding me going to the cross for joy, you know. Um, To the carnal mind, the cross looks like death. It looks like there ain't no life in sight. It, ain't, it don't look like this guy's God in any shape or form. That is the carnal mind. And it's proven at the cross because you see the Pharisees yelling at Jesus, right? Tempting him. If you're the son of God, come down from that cross, right? And Jesus knew, I don't have to get down from this cross to prove that I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God regardless If the world nails me to a cross or not and i love the cross because like it's the ultimate um what is that word equalizer it is the ultimate equalizer because when you just look at like the physical aspect of what jesus went through on the cross all you know like the pain and whatnot i mean it makes our daily lives look like nothing truth be told you know we get upset when the person at starbucks puts puts the wrong milk in our uh iced blonde espresso lattes you know (laughs) and uh the cross is like a picture of what is happening to us when uh it's an accusation whether you mess up whether someone else messes up and they think it's your fault or there's so many scenarios you know um everything everything is wanting to speak a a a word to us everyone is everything is wanting to speak a word to us that we don't have what we need um you know for me my whole goal in life was always to just make music that was all i ever cared about i dropped out of like three colleges and even one of them was a music college because i just wasn't even about the establishment you know and i felt god wanted me to move to tulsa but For me, my whole life was if I could just have this equipment and if I could just have this instrument and if I knew how to do this and if I knew how to do that, and then if I could put a put an album out and then people would really like it, you know, that was like me trying to what God can give you, that was me trying to establish that in myself, right? And that knowledge of good and evil betrayed me, right? Because what happens when you don't have the equipment? What happens when you're not making the music, right? Um, what happens if you even get through all of that and then at the very end, people are like, oh, we don't even like your music. You know, you could get through all this, all of it. Everything I ever thought should have came true in my life. Um, and, and this is applicable. Apl- that's a hard word to say. Uh, this can be applied. <laughs> and, and many, I mean, it's kind of scary. Like uh, people that I work with, people will kind of be like, you know, what do you believe? You know, what's this all about? And I've just started telling people like, I don't think you want what I got, man. Because if you get into this, you will be forced to be naked, right? You will be forced to see that your job cannot give you the happiness. Next thing, no, even something as sacred and as beautiful to me as music, I quickly came to the conclusion there's no eternal life in music, and really the proper setting of music. Although I play music secu- uh, in the secular places and in the Christian places, it doesn't matter to me personally. My conscience isn't bothered by it. Um, but really, even the e- even seeing the true purpose of music is to it's to God, right? I really think God is almost like the source of music. You know, like he is like he's almost like a vibration. He 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 gives that that off, right? So the key to experiencing the power of the resurrection is founded in what happened at the cross. That's what we don't understand. When I went to Bible school, it, uh, the, reser, the, the, res, the cross was only used usually when you did communion, and you were just kind of saying like, "We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the cross, Father." Uh, Jesus you know you took the punishment you know it's all centered around how much God hated us and then he wanted to kill Jesus right and you're just like yep this guy's awesome whatever <laughs> and uh, so that's the only time the cross is ever mentioned really and then the resurrection is only r- really uh, mentioned in moments where everyone's running around and we got the victory and it's, i mean, we do, but they don't. They think the victories in cars and the victories in how good our ministry does, and the victory is found in, um, you know, it's just—it's just funny. It's the same dynamic. See at the cross, you look at Jesus on the cross, and you're like, that dude doesn't have life. Take it to the churches, especially. I know a lot of you guys came from like the charismatic word of faith circles, but boy, if you didn't have that shining Rolex, that mean God wasn't blessing you. It's just like a Jewish person. You know, uh, Lazarus just laying on the ground, you know, that God's not with that guy. God's with that rich man. God's with the prophet. God's with the pastor. God's with the priest, you know? So now we gotta, so now we gotta make the ushers carry the wife's purse on the way to coming up to the state. I mean, just nonsense, you know, uh, touch not God's anointed. Yeah. You know, uh, God's anointed is Christ, and Christ was not touched by death, even on the cross. That's what that verse is actually about, okay? (laughs) The way you experience the power of the resurrection, it sounds so good to the ear, the power of the resurrection. We really want to live in that resurrected life. And amen. I'll say amen 10,000 times to that. But what I have found... Uh, both in my own life and what I see within our body of believers here, uh, I think that the emphasis really needs to be turned on the power of the cross because once it is built upon that, you will be experiencing the power of the resurrection and you won't have to be trying to make it happen. Um, I've talked a lot about this on my podcast. You know, It's kind of funny, another area of my life. I always, since I was a little boy, I always knew I want a child and I want a wife and I want a family. I remember being in like uh, preschool and seeing a chick across the way and being like hey she was an older lady you know (laughs) and uh, and Kylie's three years older than me so uh, I guess I always had a taste I'm just joking and uh, so that that was always a desire of mine so when I instantly started to hear about this gospel about this God who has who wants a family who is a family the Trinity is a family um, I it was very 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 easy for me to connect with that because I understood what it was like to have this desire of I want I want God I want a family I want to share my life with people. Uh, obviously, when I was five, I did not understand the implications of what all it takes to be a husband and what all it takes to be a father. I mean, it is a, it is a full time gig, and it's it you know me and kylie are kind of like we're we're all in people so i just felt like we got to the point in our lives where we realized what god was doing he was working on the carnal mind and of course we were just like yeah let's just blow this junk out let's get this all out of here let's just do it all right now because it's like um kylie's pregnant was like very she was very violently sick and then the delivery was even worse so that was like the cherry on top of the whole experience and then of course, you know, uh, when you just are coming in from outside and your pregnant wife can smell the outside, you know, that creates tension between <laughs> you and your partner, right? So you know, with a sick wife, and, and, and Kylie was the type that never wanted kids. Um, with her whole life, she was never that into it. And so from her angle, you know, that's a lot to deal with. Uh, all of a sudden, you got a kid. And then before that, we had a miscarriage. So it was just like, literally on the way, moving from Oklahoma to Wisconsin, she had a miscarriage, like, in the hotel we were staying at. So, you know, looking back, that was kind of like the... That was like the first, and keep in mind, we're coming from Tulsa where everyone and their mom's praying over, you know, God's going to do great things over you. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. And you know what? God did do all of those things, but not how I thought those carnal things. I thought it was going to be the church. I thought it was going to be this. And you know what it actually looks like? It looks like peace in my heart. It, It looks like I'm having an ability to love my wife greater, to be there for Asher more, and uh, it's funny how God does that, you know? It, it, it's classic. We read in the Old Testament we, we read all these things. We think he's talking about this, and he was always talking about this. And we have the same experiences. We all have like, you know, you get words from the Lord from people. And I have found that actually most of those were pretty accurate. But because of my carnal interpretation, people were kind of telling us stuff like, when you get there, uh, there, won't be any, um, there won't be any sawdust. Meaning like there's no more work to be done. It'll be finished. And so we're walking up into Wisconsin, you know, thinking, oh yeah, this is going to be great. Uh, And it's not like we were like, yeah, we want the big church and the this. Like we're just ready to preach the gospel. And if there's a church, sweet. And little did I know that the work was already finished because, you know, you had gospel revolution with 10 years of messages. And I found that to really be the thing that was waiting for me. Not that I had to move to Wisconsin to listen, but it 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 between all these. So a miscarriage happened. We're moving. We're doing this church. It's not going how we're looking. She's pregnant. She's upset. I'm getting salty, you know, and you uh, cannot do marriage, marriage things, right? uh, When your wife is sick. So the dude's getting salty and then the chick's upset. I mean, you know, it's real life stuff like that's the stuff people don't talk about. (laughs) And, all these things, man, uh, finding a good job was hard in Wisconsin, one that I liked and one that paid well. And all these things actually ended up being a blessing. And that's not because God caused them. God does not cause death. Death does not come from God. It's, it's not because God caused those things. But because of those things, um, most people might try to, like, run but I was telling Kylie the other day, like I do really good with my back up against the wall, and it's mainly just because I mess around up until the very last second until I have to, yeah. And then and then I'll do something extraordinary, you know. <laughs> not a good way to live life, you know. Uh, not a good formula for bills. Uh, not a good formula for changing your oil, you know. Not not practical. And my wife's bared with me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I real I realized about halfway through or towards the, you know, three years being married, I was like, I've pretty much spent my whole life just trying to get good at music and I didn't work on any other practical skill. <laughs> so, you know, and then, and then next thing you know, you're married with a child and it's like, yeah. Hey, you got to work. You got to save. You got to pay bills. You got to buy the diapers, you know? Oh, you got to go to the doctor. Boom. This or that, you know? Um, so in all those things happening, it became a cross unto us and you're faced with a cross every day, you know, when that person's cut, whether it's the person cutting in front of you in traffic or it's a horrible, uh, life circumstance, God uses the, I don't want to give the, the, the tribulations, the glory. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I know Christians who have said that. And I also see that's just how the world thinks, right? The world, if you, were, if, if you lived in the ghetto and you made it out, it's kind of like this thing of like, you know, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I got out. Um, and, and it's almost like a, like, a, like, a, like a boasting or a bragging in a, what, you know, people think, oh, hard times will make you have to kind of um, pull, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And there is something true to be said about that as far as just how the world works. You know, if you are in debt, if you need a lot of money, you got to work really hard and make money and pay it off. But that's an earthly dynamic, right? That's an earthly dynamic. Um, Man, so the power of the cross was really seen in our lives. Um, It was just tough. Like I said, we were on the verge of divorce many times because Kylie's like a more of like a type A organized you know, knows the numbers, and I'm over here on the opposite end, you know, kind of like, who cares about anything? Let's just chill out, Let you know. It's okay, babe. Everything's fine. Uh, And and, and most of you, if you're married, you've probably experienced that. And I, I found that it only really came till you are like three years in, and then you really get to know this person. And then your carnal mind's like, man, I probably would have never married them if I had done this. But that's the way the world thinks, right? Let's live in an apartment for a year, see if we like each other. And then, you know, not us, man. I never even lived with a chick other than my mom before Kylie. So you can imagine. And here she is, you know, she was living in like the cities in Milwaukee on her own. You know, she's a grown woman. I'm over here fumbling around. God, I'm telling you guys, God just strung me along to this point. I'm not joking. I came to God on a, on a mushroom trip. And I think that really sums up my, you know, how me and God work. See, my back was against the wall because my whole life I felt so depressed. And I, again, I thought, oh, psychedelics can help me cure this. And uh, I, for some reason, you're never supposed to do this when you're doing psychedelics, but I got in the shower in the dark, which is just dumb. That's like the number one thing you don't do on something like that. And so, you know, like I was like, it was too much for me. So I was just trying to like calm down. I was Christian my whole life. So I had a foundation. I spoke in tongues, I filled the spirit. I understood Jesus, that he was God. Uh, But it was in that moment, it's actually kind of a picture of the cross actually. I was in dark, I mean, literal darkness. It's dark. And so, you know, you're in the shower, there's the shower head, and there's the things. And I was over here thinking, all right, I'm going to get out the shower now. And, uh, and like, I can't, I cannot find it. I can't find the thing to turn it off. And I can't even feel that, where the water's coming from. And then I got scared. I got like really scared. And you can ask Kylie, like, I'm not someone that's like, You know, like we had a whole music set planned and then last night we changed it all. So stuff doesn't bother me. I'm like, as far as uh, being afraid or fearful. And that was the first time in my life where like, I kind of sat there and as I couldn't find this, I was like, I'm 19 years old right now, fumbling around like an idiot in the shower. That's what I thought. I was like, this is pathetic. I was like, what am I doing? what am i doing with myself and in that darkness that was the foundation you see what i'm saying it was it was when i was able to i was able to give up the ghost in that moment right and the thing that i had always been running from cuz i thought god was in church and i thought god was in this god's sometimes at those places you know if they're preaching <laughs> they're preaching the right word but he really's not in those places most time and i cried out to the father I I fell to my knees in this shower and I cried out to God, and I can't even explain it. Just this overwhelming comfort and peace came to me, and it was about 2:30 in the morning. And I got out the shower and I walked in my parents' room and like just told them like, I, I'm 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 tripping right now, <laughs> and I you know let them know I've been doing drugs, I've been sneaking around this and that, just you know, and they didn't scorn me. It was actually great. They didn't scorn me. They, they weren't upset with me and they just brought me in just like Abba. And the, and that was October 17th, 2017, which is actually ironic that literally that was like a week ago. The day, the morning we got in, I realized it was October 17th. That was four years ago, right? Kind of funny how that stuff works. And, uh, Man, I, started, I opened up my Bible the next day, and the rest was history. I just kept going. Um, I would work like three days a week so that I could just study the Bible 10 hours a day, just locked in my room, reading the scriptures, listening to Kenneth Hagin, right? Getting it in. And uh, I don't even remember where I was going with all that, but Bro. the cross. <laughs> the, the, the power, the power of the resurrection is found within the cross. It was when I was in that moment of darkness and I looked at my life kind of like, man, like I saw the height in that moment. I like saw the height of Brock Hames, right? And I actually thank God that nothing happened in music. I thank God nothing happened because I know exactly what probably would have happened is I would have been sucked into a world working my life, you know, thinking that my life is good now. It would have been... I would have been so deceived. I would have been so fooled by the appearance that I had life, if I had even gotten into that. So I want to zoom in on the type of death that Christ endured. There's a death going on at the cross. And as I said earlier, there is a work that God is doing, which is vital. And we need to see that work because it is in that work that the faith is going to be produced in our hearts. And 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 we're gonna start to um, we're gonna start vibing with God on what He's vibing on, and Jesus was showing forth a certain type of wisdom at the cross. What was that wisdom? If you've been listening to the podcast, you know, God's my shepherd; I have no lack. Which is profound. Like I like I keep beating in. It is so profound for a man who's hanging naked on a cross to then come out and say, my cup runs over, bro. It boggles the carnal mind, boggles the carnal mind. I had some, I said this, the Bible said the other day, but it's just, it's such a good illustration. Someone said to me at work, um, you never fizz, you never fizzle. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, you know, the soda, when you shake it, it fizzes up and it goes. She's like, you're not like that. Cause she sees everyone else freaking out, and if it's, you know, if it's busy in a, in a restaurant, right, it can be stressful if anyone's ever worked in a restaurant. And uh, Jesus was showing us that certain wisdom on the cross. And when you take kind of this approach to the cross of God needed to, he's a holy God, and you disobeyed his rules, and he wants to punish you, but he's going to transfer that wrath to Jesus, and then we all were like amen thank god for that but uh it's like i said on uh me kyle and jared's podcast that we dropped yesterday if at the end of star wars you found out that it was luke skywalker the whole time would that be a story about how good luke skywalker is no because at the end of that story you would come to the conclusion this guy's messed up Mm -hmm. he acted like the hero and then but he was actually causing all the death to come upon us um, that's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. That's why when you watch all these Marvel movies and all these superhero movies, like humans are crying out to see a savior. We want to see the hero win at the end. And if God, if he's the reason that Jesus has to go to the cross, that makes him the enemy. And then you're just, you're so, it, like I said, it would have been like me being in the music. You're so falsely deceived that that is the gospel. Here in the Western world, like, we just have such a small scope on this huge, like, this Christian thing has been going, and what we're teaching now isn't lining up what was going on over here when it first started. And uh, God's teaching us how to actually do that. My problem at first was I heard that God said you can have peace and love and joy in the middle of your situation. So what's my carnal mind start to do, right? I'm getting busy. That's right, you know, by the, sh- by the uh, endurance of my will, I'm not getting off this cross, God. And I still messed up the cross. I-, I saw that the cross was the power to life. I saw it. I saw that in everyone's heart, God is trying to bring them to this cross, not to punish them, but because there's a death happening at the cross. And the death that's happening at the cross is a death to death Jesus was not losing life he was not losing life he was gaining life he would it looks like he's losing life you ask someone off the street show them a picture of Jesus on the cross does that guy have life I mean take Jesus out of it just any dude on a cross nail me to a cross it's gonna look the same right and that's vital because Christ came to uh reveal who we are in that scenario and even greater I want to say reveal who God is in the midst of of that tribulation and God does not abandon us and he does not tell us what to do and then walk away right he didn't do that with Adam although we thought he did here's everything Adam you know go play have fun figure it out It's, it's it's you know it's when Asher comes to a toy, like I have to show him how to play with it a little bit, you know, if he doesn't understand it. And the way that Adam was always supposed to take dominion over the earth was to establish the earth in Christ. That was the whole thing. It wasn't like this: take your authority, Adam, and you know, seize the earth. You know, if uh, if uh, if Adam was in uh, if Adam was in Gary and Shelley's old church, they'd be saying. Adam, you need to get your wife under submissions, buddy. <laughs> she been eating from the wrong tree. We saw her. Right? So that's what I'm kind of diving into here a little bit is what was happening at the cross with Jesus. How is it life? How can it be the foundation of life? Because it's one thing for me just to get up here and get my preach on and say, the power's found in the cross. And then everyone's like, Yeah and then we all go home a, you know, a little happier, but to actually, um, I question God on these things. Even the things that I think I know, even the things that I feel firm and solid on, I still come to the place where I say, I know God that there's always more to iron out on, on my foundation and specifically with the cross. you know, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, what the cross has done in my life, like seeing what the cross is actually about, seeing the truth, Seeing uh, what God was trying to say to us, what He was trying to say to us. The cross has been like, you know, it started right here with me and then it went to the resurrection. And then from those two, everything else has kind of branched out. That's just been my experience. Um, So I feel, I have felt that I've tasted of the power of the resurrection in my life. I felt that I've, uh, but it only came from the time that I spent hearing about the cross I mean I have like a whole playlist with like 20 videos from you know a lot of people in, in our church that are all talking about the cross and that's because I recognized man I need to hear about this cross because it's life-giving I i know Greg says on message uh, I can't get enough of the cross I'm running to the cross right in in, in John 12 Jesus is talking about, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be glorified. And uh, then it's, then the scripture kind of gives us a little detailed after this discord and he, and it says this, he said, signifying what death he should die. Right. And when I read, when I saw that before we came here, I started to chew on what death did he die? What death did he die? I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because if you back up here in this passage, Jesus God, He tells us what kind of death he died. You don't know what kind of death he died? John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. So Jesus is using. Our language, right? That's what a good teacher does. They take something that you understand and they take something you don't understand and they put it within that. And it helps you identify and it helps you connect the pieces. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here with, with a seed. If a seed goes into the ground, if it dies, it will produce much fruit. He, he is talking cross-resurrection language right here. He is like almost prophesying what he himself would do to reveal the way unto, to reveal the way to the power of the resurrection. And, you know, it's kind of foolishness. Like, if you were looking at a plant, I'm not sure if no one told you if you could deduce, well, let me take a little seed out of this little thing and let me plant it in the ground and then watch it grow. But, you know, we just want the fruit. That's my whole point about this whole the power of the resurrection is found within uh, being conformed unto his death. If we want the fruit, we have to be intimate with the seed. And so he's explaining this here. He goes on to the next verse. He that loves his life shall lose it. That can be kind of like conflicting. because If you feel like you love your life and you're like, I have to lose it. Again, the carnal mind thinks, why would I go to the cross? Why would I go to the cross? It's pain, it's suffering because that's all we've associated the cross with. And there is pain and suffering at the cross. I mean, don't get me wrong. But the only difference of what I'm saying, what everyone else is saying is this pain and suffering didn't come from God. That's where we get kind of twisted. And it kind of uh, forms this fake thankfulness towards God because he was so merciful in killing his son. I mean, you could not... you. You, if I killed Asher, no one in this room is going to... He was so merciful. That guy's filled with love. He loves his child. You know what? He actually probably loves me too. I'm going to run boldly to him. No. You're going to lock that dude up. because You're going to call CPA on him. So he says, he that loves his life shall lose it. He that hates his life Here's a little caveat, in this world shall keep it unto eternal life, right? I, I, you got to point out the in this world, because I promise when, uh, when God is returning to the earth uh, uh, in his physical body, right? When Jesus comes back, the end of days, uh, really it's just the start of days, if we're being realistic here, but when he comes back, there's going to be two different dynamics going on in people's hearts. There's going to be people like us who we know that God is Father. And He comes, and guess what we're going to? He, we're going to see Him. We're going to see ourselves. Be like, we're just like Him. And we're going to run to the Father, right? Just like the prodigal son. Whoa, I'm a, I'm a son. And then He ran home to His Father, right? The other thing that's going to happen is... People are going to be like Adam. They are going to shriek away from God. They are going to say, I heard your voice, God, and I was afraid. And what is the voice of God, right? Is it not Jesus Christ? Is he not the word? Is he not the voice of God? And so I really like that Jesus specifies here in this world. So what's he talking about? You love your life, you shall lose it. I mean, that sounds horrible. It sounds like the cross. And then in the opposite, he says, he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. I'll just, uh, you know, I have right here written, actually. Uh, you must hate the life produced by the works of your own hands. We'll read the verse like this. He that loves his life, that the world has served him, and that he has served himself, his the person who is their own God that loves their own life enough to be their own God in that type of way, they will lose their life because the works of man's hands are perishing. I mean, I just like laugh at all of these famous people and all these rich people and these rappers and these musicians and everything because it's like, they truly think that they have ascended unto Godhood. They truly think whoever it is, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, it doesn't matter. All of these people, they think, That because of their status, because of their money, because of their experiences, because of their wealth, whatever it is why they think they're great, it will perish. It will crumble. It is corruptible because God's the only immortal, right? And if your gospel is built upon, well, every human's eternal, and you just need to decide if you're going to go to heaven or hell. Well, then if that's true, then there'd be no significance when Paul says... um, Paul says, sorry, I heard that And you know, Asher ears. You're like, little kid. (laughs) Uh, Where was I at? Paul said, said, God is the only immortal. That's significant. I wish there were more uh, verses that just like plainly said that. Just like God is the only immortal. And that's why we've gotten so screwed up is because we all think we just automatically have eternity. But we're mortal bodies. We were not created with... That's where I think it's Mormons, you know, they kind of think we had eternal life and then the fall came, uh, but now Jesus restored us back. So now we have eternal... Well, if you think you had eternal life, you're going to think that the redemptive work was to give, to put that. So now everyone's saved and now it doesn't matter. Um, It's just, that would just be equivalent to me forcing Kylie to marry me. There's no relationship in that. There's no persuasion of the heart within that. So in contrast, he says, he that hates his life in this world, in this world, in this present world, he shall keep it. So it's, it's contradictory, right? It's, uh, it sounds like a paradox to us. I love my life, why would I wanna, why would I wanna lose it? Um, that's the foolishness, right? right? The foolishness of this gospel. It is foolishness to say, I commit my life into the hands of God. It's foolishness, you know? It is, uh, why, why would you need God? Why would you need God in this world that we live in? We have our massage machines, we have our showers, we have our coffee, you know, drugs become more and more illegal wherever you go. Um, we have our nice houses, we have our air conditions, we, uh, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Like I've said before, I am not complaining about AC. But we're so, fu- we're so pampered. We're so pampered. Anything you want. You're hurting, take a Tylenol. Take a ibuprofen. Nothing wrong with that. This isn't, the, this isn't the, if you're taking medicine, you're in unbelief. This isn't that. This is. Uh, it's easy to become uh, convinced that the really nice things we have are feeding us with a good life. And you know that's true because as soon as that thing's gone, you feel the affliction. You know, as much gl- that's, the, that's the takeaway. As much glory as you experienced in this, as soon as it's gone, you feel the lack of life. You feel, well, shoot, I need that thing again, right? We're not in darkness. The scriptures tell us, God's telling us what kind of death Christ died. Um, Over here in Romans, in Romans 5, he's really uh, breaking down, I mean, just the simple gospel in a lot of ways. There was one man who by his act, he brought death into the world, right? And there was another man who also is God. And this man, by his act, brought life into the world, right? And so, Paul's laying down the gospel. He's laying down. He said, people were dying with or without the law, right? The law of Moses wasn't killing anybody. People were dying just fine before God gave the law of Moses. So we cannot point to the law of Moses and say that it is the enemy. And to say such thing is foolishness, utter foolishness, to say that the law is our enemy. Because then again, it makes God our enemy. And then your gospel is going to be all about how God needed to fill a peace because you couldn't keep the law. That's a trash gospel, man. It will not serve you with life. It's not truth, and there's no light in that. And so Paul's breaking this down here. More, the, uh, he says that as sin reigned unto death, even so might the grace, might grace reign through the righteous act. Unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's laying out all these things out. So I come to you and I, I'm telling you about um, you're free from death. You're free from sin. And first off, we all come with our uh, predispositions of what we think sin is, right? Uh, this church says it's that. This church says it's that. And your own conscience of good and evil, right? I think I, I used the example with Melinda the other day. If you hate, If you hate blue hair, if you're like, I hate blue hair, man can't stand that junk and somebody comes walking by with blue hair the belief of what you hate will come out because of this cross moment right because you're being you're uh you're encountering the thing that you've said in your heart your whole life i hate blue hair right it'll 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 expose what you believe and that's what the cross is doing that's the thing that's so um i want to say uh hard for the for the human mind when we're when we're learning about these things at first and, and we don't see the truth or we're, we're not um, established upon the truth or not. Um, sorry, I just feel like I have so many so many thoughts flying back and forth. You know, it's like what to talk about. Um, so I come to you. I'm telling you about this gospel. I'm telling you you're free from death. The very next thing Paul goes into, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. And I hate to have to like disprove what sin isn't first. I would almost much rather just preach it. But because we have so much confusing, uh so much confusion about what sin is, first off, you know, sin used here is a noun, right? I realize some people don't know like what a verb and a noun and an adjective is. A verb is an action, right? Jumping, preaching, and a noun is a person, place, or thing. So the same thing with faith. Faith is used as a noun, right? So if every time you're reading the word faith in the Bible, you think it's a verb, you think it's something you're supposed to do, well, boom, you're going to be interpreting every verse, you know? Have faith. Oh, well, I got to get busy having faith. Same thing with sin. If you think sin's is this verb, if you think it's an action, and it can manifest that way. I'm not saying that, th- that um, a dude getting angry and beating his wife isn't, uh, that's not from God, Right? But that's the fruit. By the time that dude's beaten his wife, quote unquote, there has already been something in him persuading him that he doesn't have life. That's what sin is. Sin is a wisdom. Sin is a way of life. Sin is the way that I lived almost my whole life, right? I can be great. I can do this. Um, I can I can have these achievements. You can be the God of your own life. and it, And for a while, it kind of looks like you can do it especially with social media you know I know most of you guys are older but I come from a generation where from young we were indoctrinated with this type of um, you know hyper social media and, and it's it's funny because I had this thought one time I was like man if you looked at my Facebook it looks like my life's perfect and I don't and that's coming from someone who doesn't even try you know I'm not trying to make it look this way but you you know when you're looking at that it's uh what what's interesting about social media is you you're building up this profile of yourself right it's like greg says the report of yourself and there's nothing i post pictures you guys see all the time i post pictures of asher i'll post pictures of whatever uh but to find your life in those things and it's very very hard for people my age to not get caught i think it's hard for everybody But especially if this is how you've always lived your life. You know what I mean? And so you're trying to build up your own image. You're trying to be your own God. That's what sin is. I don't need God. I'm a self-sufficient branch. Has God said that you can't eat from that tree? Eat from it. Use your own ability. Reach forth apart from God. Grab this, take it, then you'll be like God, right? That's the lie of the serpent. It's the same lie, he came to Jesus to the cross. If you're the son of God, get down from that cross. If Jesus would have got down from that cross, he would have been doing the same thing that Adam did. And the reason why I say that is because uh, God's whole thing is like, I'm able to satisfy you even when you're on a cross. That's his whole thing. And so if you reject that, You've taken up your own life. You know, you have loved your life that this world can produce. And that's why it would have been a sin for Jesus to get down from the cross. I know that's like a huge disconnect because it's like, again, we think we know what sin means, a lot of people. But sin is to use your own ability. So what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Shall we continue living like we don't have life? Shall we continue with a persuasion that we feel lack? Shall we continue in that? God forbid. God forbids it. God forbid it in the garden when he said, don't eat from that tree. That was God forbidding it. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Okay, okay, now we're getting into it a little bit. Dead to sin. I mean, it's like, what does that mean? He goes on to say, Don't you know that so many of us, as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. I mean, when I started reading these verses, it was just kind of like, Paul's using this reasoning of like, um, he's saying, why would we have to live in sin if we've been baptized into his death? Well, that begs the question, what does it mean to be baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we believe, or now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. And I have written right next, I have written here, or me. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lived unto God. So do you see this dynamic that Paul is laying out for us? He's saying, if we've been planted together together, in the likeness of his resurrection if we if that has happened then we will also be raised into the resurrection or if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death excuse me then we will experience his life as well if we be dead with christ we believe that we shall also live with him check out these verses in second corinthians 4. you guys see what i'm getting at like paul's laying out there's a death, but there's also something that happens because of that death. Check out these verses. Uh, We're troubled on every side. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 4. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Doesn't that sound like the cross? Is that not Jesus? Was Jesus not having trouble on every side, yet he was not distressed. Uh, was he not perplexed, yet not in despair? Was he persecuted, yet he was not forsaken? Cast down, yet not destroyed? You see how I see that verse in the cross? I see I see Paul laying out his experience of the sufferings, and then he says, but I see within God that in the midst of tribulation, I can have life uh, all, verse 10, always bearing about, I mean, always, that means always, always bearing about the bo- in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, so that, that means like, so that, right? I'm bearing about, the, the Bible language can sometimes be hard to declutter, but I'm trying to make it simple where he's saying, I'm bearing about in my body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That don't sound like the cross preaching I ever heard. So then death works in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith. Who, what, who's the spirit of faith, right? Is it not God? And then Paul comes and says, we have the same spirit of faith. We have the exact same spirit of faith according to as it was written. He quotes the Psalms. I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. And then that's when people come in with the, see, you got to believe in your heart, and you got to speak with your mouth. And once you do that, all the things that you want are just going to manifest. To me, it's just like, read the next verse. We believe, we believe, therefore we speak, uh, semicolon right knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall also raise us up by Jesus and shall present us with you so what is it Paul's believing and what is it Paul is speaking he says in the next verse we know that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also that's the spirit of faith So simply put, the spirit of faith in context of the cross is Psalm 16, right? You will not suffer me to see corruption. And then this is where the rubber meets the road. In our lives, when we begin to be afflicted, uh, I'm the type of person where like most of my affliction doesn't come from the outside. It's not coming from what's happening to me. It's more what I'm feeling in my heart the internal affliction that I feel. And in those moments, the, the practicality of it is is when you are experiencing hard times, when you're experiencing the serpent coming to you, whispering, telling I mean it's really not whispering. I mean it's a it's a loud megaphone in your face, actually. You know, you don't got life. When when the serpent comes to us to tell us that the significance, or why I place so much significance on the cross, is because, like, when you see Jesus resurrected, it's easy to see that this man's filled with the life of God. Right? It's it, it take it's not you know Paul who wasn't a born again man from above saw it and it made him reconsider his life. Where the cross, uh, where where it really has helped me, is it's showed me how to operate while I'm living in this mortal body, yeah. right? Because it's easy to look at the resurrection and be like, I'm going to live in the resurrection. Well, that's great, but I still got a flesh. And my flesh isn't evil, but that which is evil is trying to come to me and uh, get my flesh to work, right? Uh, get me to use my own ability to sin. That's what, that's what That's what the serpent is trying to get you to do. He's trying to get you to... You know, taking up your own life can look like serving in church. What does that do to your concept of sin? A person could be serving in church and they have a heart belief that they are gaining life because they are a minister. Yeah. I Got a lot of amens on that because I know there's a lot of people in here that have done that, right? We, most of us that have done any sort of ministry, we thought that was the key unto a good life. And if we weren't getting used, we felt bad. We felt like God didn't like us. God wasn't using us. So that's why, the cross, that's why I put so much significance on the cross. It has showed me that when I'm experiencing things in my life, uh, even if I'm feeling good and Kylie's in a bad mood, it has allowed me to be nailed to the cross and to say, Father, forgive them, deliver them, right? Because they're the ones actually in bondage. Doesn't Paul say, Fulfill ye the law of Christ, right? How do, and he says, that's in Galatians there. How does he say that? He's talking about picking up one another's burdens. Because the cross Jesus is carrying isn't even his cross. Let's get that straight. He's picking up his brother's cross, right? And that is why it's such a perfect picture of love. And it's like um, Asherino you know, has gotten a little older now and a little more expressive, a little more emotional. And when I tell him no, you know now he's scratching my face you know i think we were at, we were at their house the other day and he he slapped me on the cheek and i said you want the other one buddy you know it's, it's it, that's that's how you become you can you can get to the point where everyone else around you is being a jerk and even you can be being a jerk and you can still understand well this is what's happening to me i'm feeling pressed in by death it's causing me to uh take it out on my wife or think it's this person or think it's that person and if that person was gone or if this thing was gone. The the cross is the the pathway. It's the pathway to experiencing the life of God. And like I said earlier, um, God was not losing life. Jesus was not losing life. He was actually shedding away the death. And that is one thing I really wanted to try to say here, is the death you're experiencing on the cross, it's not pretty, right? Let's think about the physical cross. Like, it's bloody. It's, there's nails in the palm of your hand. You're carrying this cross. I mean, by the time he is already starting to go to the cross, dude's dude's almost dead, right? Because of the affliction they put him through. And uh, when you're going through these things, man, it feels like you're just suffering. It feels like it's just you, you know. But what's actually happening that whole time is God is in there. The faith is working on your behalf to persuade you. And then it is just like Jesus says in Mark 4. A man plants a seed into the ground. It grows up. He sleeps night and day. And then it's finished and he knows not how it got there. And I, like it's kind of funny. I told Kyle the other day, for so long, I wanted our marriage and our life and everything to like look like this. And the funny part is, now it looks like that. But by the time it looked like that, I didn't even notice. I didn't even care. Because contentness comes from God, right? We're going to be wrapping it up here. You guys have been super patient with me. I appreciate it. Um, It's like, how is Jesus able to endure the cross? Like I said earlier, we're not going to go to the cross. And then even if you could convince us to go to the cross, how do you get through the cross? What did Jesus see about God? What was he persuaded of? What persuaded him? Um, Another good question is, did Jesus think he was dying at the cross? that's something you guys can chew on was Jesus nailed to the cross and was he thinking I'm really losing life right now like what was he chewing on you know I want to smoke on whatever that dude's smoking on you know how 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 did he how did he come to this conclusion that God was with him right the last thing I want to say is it looks like death is nailing God to a cross It looks like that, but the truth is God was nailing death to the cross, right? That's really what he was doing, and you can't get that. You cannot believe in, you cannot be persuaded of these things that I've talked about uh, if you think the father just killed the son and forsook him. wasn't, you know, kill him and leave him, leave him and then kill him. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, well, if God's killing Jesus, then how do you forsake him? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's all uh, just man's understanding. And you're not going to see any of these things I'm talking about. And Man, there's so much more I wish I could have got into. But this feels like a a good, uh, you know what? Let's just end with this scripture here. I already mentioned, like, Paul has this logic, right? And I think one of our favorite verses here at Gospel Revolution, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. See, it's like a contradiction. He says, I've lost, uh, I, I, counted, I count the things of the world, I, I lost them. And the world sees that and sees just a loss, but Paul actually saw that as a gain, yep. right? I'm crucified, nevertheless, I live, right? Isn't it like Paul says in Romans 12 there, be a living sacrifice, It's contradicting. How are you alive, but you've died? It's just like Christ on the cross. He's experiencing death, but that death is not the determining factor whether God's with him or not. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. You see how Paul is not his own God? You see how he says, I'm not using the works of my own hands, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So he's talking about the life I live in the flesh, right? This is like real talk for us right now. This is real life talk. And that's why I love the cross so much, because it shows me how to navigate through all. When I'm in a resurrected body, I don't, it's, not, it's okay. it doesn't matter anymore. But I'm not in a resurrected body right now. And that's why I find significance must be placed upon the cross and, and the, the cross being the way to the resurrection. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So you see how Paul even connects the cross with the love of God? And there's a whole sermon right there. You could preach on the love of God in the cross. So you see, you see Paul's logic, right? He has the same spirit of faith. He's got the same persuasion, the same, um, the same thing that was animating Jesus on the cross, the same thing is now also animating Paul to the point where he could say, I'm crucified with Christ. I've conformed to his death. Um, so it's kind of contradictory. Conforming to his death is actually the thing that brings life. Uh, but if you're looking with the carnal mind, you ain't going to be barking up that tree. I think I think that's a great place to stop. Well, thank you, guys. This was a... Uh, man. <laughs> Testing. Testing. Thanks, brother. Yes, sir. Glory to God. Thank you.
0: Um, man, that was awesome. I, I love a bunch of the things that he said, but I love how he said that God is saying through Jesus that he can satisfy your desire for life even if you are nailed to a cross and see we tend to feel like when we're nailed to a cross that our desire for life cannot be satisfied and so then we get to looking around and in all of our looking around we don't see that jesus is there god is there ready to satisfy the desire we have for life right and and so i just want you guys to know that you all feel like we all feel like we're nailed to a cross sometimes. And, and Jesus, we see that God was there, even though it looked like he wasn't. God was there to be what he needed in that moment. And I love what what Jeff and Jim say all the time. Can we invite Jesus into this place, this this cross place? Can can, can we just ask Jesus to be what we need in this moment? Right. And that's where the gospel's trying to bring us. Because we're all going to find ourselves in the moment of nakedness, the moment of confusion, the moment of hell, the moment where everything is just against us. And it's like God's trying to bring us to this place where he wants to be what we need. He's actually the only thing that can be what we need, right? All the other things we think can't be what we need. And he's like, can I just be what you need in this place? Will you just let me be what you need? And he's just trying to show us that so that we'll say, well, you, you're all that I need, right? Jesus, will you just be what I need in this place? Man, I promise you, like he just said, that's the foundation for an explosion from for, of life where everything we were so upset about, so confused about, will fall by the wayside and <laughs> we'll start singing Kumbaya. <laughs> I, I, I'm joking. Um, I, wanted, I want to give everybody an opportunity to, to make a donation to Brock and Kylie if they want to. These guys, he don't want a donation. He didn't know I'm about to say that. His nice white cheeks, if you could see them, might turn rosy right now. But they weren't even going to come here to preach. They just wanted to come and hang out. And I was like, you must preach. And so, in light of, of that, well, we must take up an offering. Um, and you know, listen, as you guys know, there's no obligation. So, if you feel in your heart you want to make a donation to Brock and Kylie, you could do it if, through gospelrevolutionchurch.com. You could just put it in there for Brock, for Kylie, um, for Asher. For Asher. <laughs> For the bearded guy that was talking this morning that I don't remember his name. Um, You can do it online. There's baskets around the church. You can do it there if you want, and uh, we'll make sure that they uh, get it. Um, And then don't forget lunch at Bacchus, Bacchus on the beach, so to speak, Um, and then afterwards at Matt and Annette's house. And then Brock and Kylie will be back here next Sunday doing like uh, giving us a live studio version of their podcast. Um, and it'll be really good, and so come back for that. And uh, listen, brock would, Brock's brock got God in him. We have God in us. If anybody wants prayer or if anybody wants Brock to minister to them privately, um, man, he's up here, and he is happy to do it. So uh, he'll just kind of be floating around and hanging out, and uh, be he'll be the manifestation of Jesus for you in this place.
1: Hallelujah. Thanks a lot,
0: brother. Glory Thank to you, man. Thank you.
1: i start flinging my sweat on you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys again.